You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. I believe that the only courage anybody ever needs is the courage to follow your own dreams. I got to say that again. I believe that the only courage anybody ever needs is the courage to follow your own dreams. And that's a quote from Oprah Winfrey, and we kicking it off this November the 7th, you guys. First first Saturday in November. This year is blowing, blowing, blowing by. I want to welcome, I always like to pause and thank our loyal listeners who've been with us for 16 years here on Off the Shelf. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a beautiful Saturday here where I am on the East Coast. And also, if this is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf, you're just like, what am I going to do this morning? Maybe you're cleaning house and you want to entertain yourself with an awesome author interview. I just want to let you know that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show, Off the Shelf. And we have a wonderful author on deck for you. And I'm excited to introduce her to you. But before I do, I keep asking you guys how good of a mystery sleuth are you? If you love mystery, if you value relationship, there is a soulmate relationship. And there are these friends, these five dude friends who are friends for life after they meet in college. There's also a murder mystery, Shrouding Raymond, who's a star of Love Pour Over Me. And one of his friends, would you, what would you do if you started to see the, the finger of something criminal pointing toward one of your best friends? I mean, it's easy to say it before it ever happened, but what if you were in the middle of it, entangled up in it, webbed up in it? What would you do if you value relationships? You like romance and you love a thrilling mystery? Don't even wait. Get a copy of Love Pour Over Me Now. You can get a copy in ebook or in print format. And I also want to let you guys know I also just published an, another new book. Uh was last Monday, Awaken Blessings of Inner Love, and that is a nonfiction book, my first published nonfiction book, and it's Shortcuts to Self-Love and Success in a Busy World. And, again, it's Awaken Blessings of Inner Love. We can all use more techniques and practices, and it's stuff you got to do every day to practice self-love. So when we come up against challenges, we're ready. So, again, go and get to enjoy yourself a copy of Love Pour Over Me and Awaken Blessings of Inner Love. If I had a drum, I'd be beating my drum right now, you guys. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Jerry Myers Goodwin. And Jerry is a native of Arizona. She is a wife, mother, and a woman who dreamed about writing romance novels for 20 years. Ooh, that ties into the quote, and I didn't even know that. What did the quote say again? I believe that the only courage anybody ever needs is the courage to follow your own dreams. She dreamed about writing romance novels for 20 years. She went and did it, y'all. She has been interviewed in several media outlets, including Writer's Life magazine, 
I love Romance Blog and the author show. Jerry is also also the author of the book Mason's Gray, and we're gonna dig into Mason's Gray this morning on Off the Shelf. Please check Jerry Goodwin out online. Her name is spelled, by the way, G E R I. In case you're searching for her on Google, G E R I G O O D W I N. So Jerry. Please check her out. You can go over there even now as you listen to her on Off the Shelf this morning. And her website is jerrymyersgoodwin.com, G-E-R-I-M-Y-E-R-S-G-O-O-D-W-I-N.com, G-E-R-I-M-Y-E-R-S-G-O-O-D-W-I-N.com. We are absolutely honored to have Jerry Goodwin with us here this morning. I hope I'm picking up the right line. Good morning, Jerry. Welcome to Off the Shelf. Good morning, Denise. How are you this morning? I am doing fabulous this morning. I am doing awesomely blessed. And how are you on this morning? I am fabulous as well. I'm excited to have a conversation today. Okay, okay, you sound ready, Jerry. We're happy to have you on this morning. It's absolutely a pleasure having you on Off the Shelf. And I I just want to, I'd like to let our guests know when they come on the first three to four questions I ask every single guest. When I started Off the Shelf 16 years ago, I would just go right into the questions. And I got emails from the listeners, and they said, no, 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 stop doing that. Give us a little backstory on the guests, and then go into the questions. So, to kick it off, Ms. Jerry, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Okay, well, first of all, um, I just want to let you all know that it's my the pronunciation of my name is Jerry, and oh. when you look at it, it looks like Jerry. There's an accent mark, and everybody does it. Um, it I don't know, it just... My parents gave me this unusual name, and um, but anyway, I just wanted to say it's Jury, and hey, everybody out there. Um, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and lived there till I was about 11 years old, and my parents moved us to Prescott, not Prescott, Prescott, Arizona, uh, where I lived most of my life and raised three children. And recently, two years ago, moved to the Tucson area, uh, Oro Valley to be exact. So that's a little background there. What other hot details would you like, Denise? And are you is it, are you an only child, or did you have siblings when you grew up? Yes, I have, yes, I have um, an older brother, a younger sister, and a stepsister and a stepbrother. Oh, okay. Oh, so it was... There were five of us, so it was five of you. I think it's good. Well, only child you get. You, I think when I think of somebody only child, your parents generally center on you. They can give you all more of their attention. But when you have siblings, you got people to bounce stuff off of and uh, uh, just play with. And and it's I I I think it's for me. I mean, it's five of us, so I love growing up with siblings. But I think being an only child has its privileges as well. So when you were a kid, Jury, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you dream about being when you were a kid? I dreamt about being a singer and a musician. Oh. That was my dream, and it's been my dream my whole life. Sometimes our our lives take a a turn in different directions. (laughs) 
did you pursue that at any point? Did you did you did you do any singing? Did you try to put out a record, or do you have any records no. out? No, I didn't. Um, it was something that uh, in elementary school I started playing piano and saxophone, and I was very involved in uh, band and choir. And I just fell in love with it, and I loved performing. I guess I'm kind of a ham. I'm not shy about getting up there. I'm the first one on the dance floor, the last one to get off. But, um, you know, went through some – we moved to Prescott, and I was trying to fit into a – a new school and make new friends. And then, of course, the boys came around and got boy crazy, and I just didn't pursue it anymore. And it's one, it honestly is one of my biggest regrets. Big, well, big, there's still, biggest regret. There's still time. There's still time. You might be able to mix it in <laughs> with your books or some, or maybe one of your books turns into a movie and you can sing like one of the – the songs on on the on the soundtrack. Who or what? Who, so you wanted music. You got into the band and everything, and you you fell in love with it. Who or what inspired yes. you? Who or what inspired you to pursue writing? What birthed your love for books? My mother. She she read romance novels. Um, she would get up early in the morning, beat the rest of us up, so she'd squeeze in some reading time. And like I said, I wasn't when I was younger. I wasn't I wasn't into reading books. I liked music. Everything was music. And then as I got older, into my late teens and twenties, she just she just wanted me to read these books so bad because I think she wanted to have a little mother daughter book club going, you know. So so I started started. She'd pass me off her books, and I'd start reading them, and I fell in love. I was hooked. And then I was reading one right after the other and after the other. And one day I thought, I have ideas in my head. My head really goes off to this fantasizing place. It always has. So, um, yeah, just her passing that on to me, and then I fell in love with it, and then I wanted to write it. And how were you? Jury, when 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 you knew you wanted to be a writer, were you like a little girl? Um, about, no, no, I didn't know till I was about twenty eight years old. Oh, somewhere between about twenty eight. Interesting. So, what is it about romance novels that appeals to you? Is and it, and were those the type of books you and your mom were reading? Romance yes. novels. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She would branch out into some mystery, but mostly, I mean, I only ever read uh, romance. I do like some of the self-help genres, but, um, but yeah. And what I love about the romance is I love being in love, and I love the passionate chemistry between people. I'm just drawn to it, all of it, the, the passion, even the conflict and how they get through it. It's. It's my so thing. What, so, so now we're going to talk about Mason's Gray. Where did the inspiration? You said your mind goes off, and and when you're in your writing, so the ideals you get for books. Where did the inspiration for Mason's Gray come from? And uh, and actually, before you answer that, I wanted to ask you this question. 
So you 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 had all these ideas. You're reading these books with your mom, and she's passing books on to you. Is this your first mm-hmm. written novel, or is this just your first published novel? Because some writers write a load of novels, and then they might say, no, they're not really ready, and then they finally publish one. Is this your first novel that you wrote? Yes, it is. Okay. Where did the inspiration for Mason's Gray come from? It actually came from a dream. A lot of my ideas a lot of my ideas come from dreams and I've literally learned to when I wake up from one, I have a pad of paper and a pen right by my nightstand so I can jot it down because I don't wanna you know, sometimes we wake up and the dream is vivid but then after a few hours we lose some of that. So now I write it down. But it came from a dream. So, well, let me ask you, is it related to any real-life experience? Most of our dreams, because I write my dreams down too, but most of our dreams, even if they don't seem to be about us, they are about us. So is it, is it, and you don't have to go into detail, but is it any way connected to something you were experiencing in your personal life when you look back on the dream? Not, no, not, no, not the dream. The dream plays the fantasy part of the book but the other parts of the story the plot of the story is very much similar to, similar to experiences that i was feeling and going through and i it's very relatable i know that a lot of people can relate to morgan gray and what she was feeling and going through and trying to accomplish Okay, now being that Mason's Gray, and I love that title. I love the title of that you. book. Mason's Gray <laughs> is your first novel. Being that it is your first, you've read for years, you have a, this passion for music. How far off the shelf listeners who are where you once were, they they might be thinking about writing a book, but they haven't done what you've done. Being that it's your first novel, can you tell our listeners how easy or challenging it was? to actually, and you said this came from a dream, to actually write your very first novel? Well, there really hasn't been anything easy about this entire process, although I will say that in the big picture of things, the writing was the easy part compared to other things. One of the things, the first time I sat down to try to actually write a book I had nowhere, I had no idea where to start. I just sort of stared at the computer screen. It's just this dumbfounded look on my face. And then I ended up taking a three-day crash course at the community college in Prescott, Yavapai Community College. And it was on uh, writing and publishing. And it was the best thing I could have done. Um, The instructor, Tom Paul Fox, he did an amazing job just, getting right down to the important details to help you get started, and it worked magically. The second time that I took a whack at writing Mason's Gray, it was like night and day. I just took off. Did you, so you, went, you took a class. Did you work with, did you work with any um, um, writer's critique groups, et cetera, to help you? So you had no experience even, so you just sat down and started 
I think it's and it's, I think it's really smart that you took that class. But for our for our listeners, I'm going back to my early days, and I'm trying to this last question before we start talking about your novel to help. I like to offer tips and advice to our listeners doing the interviews that they can use in their own lives. So you took this, you took the the, the class. Did you start? Did they, did they teach you to use an outline? Did you use character sketch? How did you get the ideals for our listeners again who want to write a novel onto the paper? Is that what you were taught to do? Write a, write an outline, write a very detailed outline, and then start writing the book. Yes, it was recommended to do that, and I did that, and I think that is huge. But also, he taught us how to be descriptive and how that's, you know, you want the reader to be able to feel like they're that person or they're in that place, they're in that moment. So they have to be able to visualize it. So he had us practice writing um, paragraphs, very descriptive paragraphs, and then we would all critique each other of how it could have sounded better or different and it really cl- it really clicked into my head. For some reason, I just picked it up very quickly, and it made all the difference in the world. So just little things like that, but they're important details, very important details. And it is very important for the reader to feel and experience the story. And writing, writing is you you never get to where you're perfect. It just you keep life teaches you things and you keep learning how to get better and better and better as a writer. All that shared now we coming down to the nuggets nuggets. Introduce off the shelf listeners to Brody Mason. Tell us what's Brody <laughs> like. Oh my gosh. Um he is first and foremost well he's He's a rock star. He's a rock icon, so he's well-known. But he is alluring. He has beautiful, dreamy green eyes. Um, He's also career-driven, successful, which can make him mm, a bit uptight, kind of stuffy. He's very focused. It's always work, work, work. He's not looking for love and romance. He finds it to be... um, just pointless with his line of work that it just it, it doesn't work out so he's shut the door to it um he he's hot <laughs> uh, she's like i would hook up with brody myself she's like i would hook up with brody myself how how old how old is he you know, a lot of rock stars, they start their careers there in their teens or 20s, but they can go for years and decades. How old is he? And when we're thinking about rock star, is he like, um, I'm, I'm thinking, what first, what time period is the story set in? And how old is Brody? And when you say rock star, you like, what's, I'm thinking he's not a rock star, but like a Justin Bieber or uh, Elvis Presley when he was super hot. How 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 much of a rock star rock star is this guy? He's the ultimate rock star, and it's set in current times. But um, Morgan Gray and Brody Mason are they're middle aged people, so in their they're in their late forties. I guess I mean I think of that as middle aged. I don't know. There's different ideas of what middle middle age is, um, but they're in their late forties. 
Yeah, so and, but it's set in current times. How long has so he been performing? Like a, he's been around for a while, since like his 20s, early 20s, or younger. So let me ask you this yeah. for our listeners. He's never... He's never fallen in love. You said he's, he's he's sworn that off. He's never fallen in love or he fell in love and it didn't work out. And now he's like, no, nah, I ain't doing that again. Exactly. He he tried, tried to, you know, to be the dedicated partner, loyal, faithful, and that that career with constant women being around, it's just not conducive to to relationships and it, it you know partners don't feel very uh, secure in that relationship with him there's always that insecurity because all these other women are always around and that's part of the uh rock and roll lifestyle so so i i'm still well, let me do his parent are are his parents married most of us even a rock star or or real popular actor or actress one, one, if a relationship, if we could have it, you see people go in and out of the, even celebrities go in and out of long-term relationships, eight years, ten years. They, you, they want it to work, even if it's challenging. Is he, as he really sincerely, and I don't want you to get a story away, but is he, is he at a point where he really sincerely believes he will just fail at a relationship with anybody? I believe so. And I think that's why he's so uh, focused and obsessive about his career because it keeps him from being susceptible to really falling for someone. Well, let me ask you this. You said you had a dream, and this wasn't a question I was going to ask you, but would you like involved in a relationship with a celebrity or – you love music, were you yourself, and then this dream came from that experience? You don't have to say who it was if it's the case. Uh, no, it's not based on a – the dream didn't come from an actual experience. I think it's just more of a, you know, with my passion for music and particular bands or musicians, um, a particular band that I follow and love, um, I, I – I don't know. I guess I don't really know why. It was just, and I actually I had the same dream several times. It wasn't just the wow. one dream, and I had the same same premise of the dream, the same person, uh, oh several times. And I was like, I gotta write about this because it keeps showing up. <laughs> that is, yeah, in the dream world, that is very interesting. Introduce us to Morgan Gray. You said in the they're in their forties. What what is Morgan Gray like? What is Morgan Gray doing? Tell us about Morgan. Morgan is a woman who once again she's in her late forties. Um she's suffered loss and tragedy. She starts to face another uncomfortable life transition that forces her to take a look at her life, how she's living it, and what she wants to do differently. She dives in and digs into those dreams that she wanted to take on in an earlier life and never did. Really feeling like she needed to refocus and protect her heart from 
the changes that are to come. She's a devoted mother. She sets off on this adventure not looking for love, not thinking of that in any way, shape, or form, just wanted to take on a new journey and uh, take on some some goals that have always been in her mind. And what does she do for a living? What's her career? Well, she, you know, I don't really talk on her past too much. It's more about today and moving forward what she does. So she had always wanted to be a photographer. So that's what she sets out to do. So really the discussion in the book about her past is how she was devoted to her children and there for them and uh, raised them. And then before before we go on too far, I wanted to ask you this. Before the show is over, I would love for you to read a little bit of Mason's Gray, if you can. If not, then you can't. But if you could just let me know, and then I'll pause somewhere, and you can treat the listeners to a uh, an excerpt from Mason's Gray. Um, but before that, how old – so Morgan's in her 40s. And how long has she been an empty nester? She's a, been a devoted mother. She's raised her kids. And this is a time in a lot of people's lives, and I've heard mothers say this is a very, can be a very scary time, and particularly women who your whole life is your children, your whole life. And then when they, especially if you're raised them as a single parent, but even women who are married say this is a very difficult time. Then your children Mm -hmm. are gone. Your whole life is your children, and now they're gone, and it's like, okay, now what do I do? It's almost, it's like retirement, but maybe even harder. They're your whole life, and now they're Mm -hmm. not in the home anymore, and all the time you devoted to your kids, maybe going to their school events or sporting events, whatever, if they were involved in that or whatever events they were involved in, guiding them, just even going to entertainment, out to restaurant, out to eat with them, or whatever they would go to with you, that's all gone. So how long has mm-hmm. she been an empty nester when Mason's Gray, the story, kicks off? It's very fresh. It's very ah. fresh, probably not, even, probably not, definitely not even a year into it, definitely not. Very Ooh. fresh. And that's why she said, I got to do this because this hurts and I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't find a purpose. Wow. You know, and that's almost like a little bit of a, not a warning, but a, a tip to us as mothers is, and you don't, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, my God. You never, it's, some, it's some very children. It's a, very much a tip. Uh, you you never know what's gonna happen. So it's like when you're raising your kids. Uh, uh, now people advise have a hobby, do, do something else that you're not just working. If you work outside the home and or being married and raising your kids, do something else. So it's not it won't be such a punch in the gut when they do do leave. Um, can you introduce us first of all? Can you treat us to an excerpt uh, before the hour yeah. is out? Okay. Um, before before you do that, can you introduce us to some of the other books, other major and minor characters who help push the story forward? 
Yes. So there's Morgan's three adult children who really add a lot of flair to the story because they're in the midst of all this, watching their mom make these huge, you know, these big life changes. And then not only that, but she meets this unlikely man and it dives into how their emotions and their reactions to it and their protection to her, for her, their concern for her, they're with her the whole way through it. So they play a huge role and add a lot of flair to the story. And then my other favorite supporting character is Jackson. He's the drummer of the band, and he is just, he's flipping hilarious. He's a goofball. (laughs) He's the opposite of Brody because he's just happy and funny and goofy all the time. But he's really good for Brody because Brody's so uptight that that he evens him out. You know, he gets him to cut loose. A lot of entertainment with Jackson. You wouldn't think that Brody would be uptight. <laughs> like a rock star. Did he, did he start out that way? It's like, you know, when you think rock star, you think the most open-minded, fluid, flexible person. Well, if you think about it, though, the he's missing out on so much because he's shut this door, right? He's missing out on love and passion and sex and, well, not sex, because he can have all the sex. Yeah, I was getting ready to but. say, wait a minute. <laughs> if he's that guy, not if he's like an ultimate rock star, that'd be hard to do. Right, so I have to correct that. He can do as much of that as he wants, but... You know, to there's a lot that he's shut out of his life. So, I mean, that can make a person just, if you're, you know, maybe he's just not really happy because all he does is work. That's that's all he has in his life is his career. And it's not that he's not good at it and it's not that he doesn't love it, but because he's shut off everything else, you know, that matters and making us get the warm fuzzies. He's missing out on the warm fuzzies. Okay. Does does Morgan? So her kids are they're, they're no longer living at home. They're they're gone. They're they're either in college or beyond college, and she packs up mm-hmm. and leaves. How long? So she's she's already a year into empty nesting, and then she makes this yes. other major move. How long has she lived in this house? And she just says, "I'm I'm." Does she sell the house and she just packs up and moves? That is a huge major change. She just introduced another major change into her life. Yeah, right. So it's very emotional because she sells the house that that, um, the kids that she raised her kids in and rents a beach house for the summer to to do this photography. The beach is her epicenter. Wow. Um, Oh, my gosh. It's the epicenter for everything, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I am shocked that she just sells her house, and does she move? She moves far away to this beach house, and just—it's just kind of amazing that she just wow. In the house she raised her kids in, I guess she's really picking up roots. Now, her her husband, her partner, transitioned eight years earlier. Is she truly mm-hmm. ready 
is she really ready for another relationship? You know, a lot of times we think, we think I'm ready to move on, I'm ready, and then we get another relationship, and we're a couple of months in, and we're like, oh, I did this too soon. Is she really ready? Well, you would think after eight years of avoiding it, so to speak, and just focusing on being there for her children, you would think she'd be ready for it, but um, she really, you know, meeting Brody just really catches her off guard. And once again, it's emotional because there is a struggle, definitely a struggle, and understandably so. So she's a widow. Mm, There's a lot going on in her mind, a lot of confusion, you know, um, a lot going on in there. He's never been married. Yeah, he's never been married. He doesn't have kids, and she has kids, and they're they're very pro- protective of her. I it just so it was. It, he's the ultimate rock star. Is um, does Morgan? Uh, if he's that much of a rock star, she obviously knows who this guy is. If she was to see him. But some people are like real famous. But so let's say you don't. Somebody's a famous actor, but you like I don't watch much many movies, so I don't know about that guy. Is is, is does she know who he is? Has she followed his career before they meet? She definitely knows who he is, but their initial run-in with each other. It she knew she knew him from somewhere, but it wasn't until a little bit later that she goes, oh, my gosh, you know, I just realized who that was. And um, he does have a son, so he had a relationship, and he has an adult son, just to throw that in there. So he does have a, he has a child. Okay. So, so that's, another, I, that's another part of the story is where his son plays a role in it all. See, this is getting juicy. And I'm thinking now from one thing you said, like maybe they had known each other way, way back, but I'm not going to ask you that. Will it give the story away if you tell us how they met? Uh, it might, yeah. Okay. And maybe, uh, maybe I won't tell too much. I don't want people well, to miss out on reading it. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. We want people to get this Mason's Gray. Now, how can can a little bit, just a little bit, because this could actually be something to whet somebody's appetite. I gotta get this story. I gotta read Mason's Gray. How similar or opposite are Morgan and Brody? Oh, they. I would say they're very opposite. She is. She's very mellow. Um, well, if you think about it, her her life is completely different than his. Their worlds are completely separate from one another. So I think that's what I mean by they're completely different. Their lifestyles are completely different. He is he has a lot more edge, definitely edgier, you know, speaks with gruff and aggressiveness, and she's just your all-American mom bouncing around, living life, surviving, and 
things like that. Not not a, not two people who you think would get together. The more you talk about Brody, the more I think I'm imagining him completely wrong. I'm seeing this free spirited, go to the beach, go surfing, hanging out in his twenties, just hanging loose, going to parties, uh, and it's he he. he, he the more, the more you, ex- he's sounding more like a corporate executive rock star, kind of more <laughs> structured, um, not so free spirited. He's coming across that way to me now. Yeah, um, he he's uh, he's the leader of the band. He's the one that, you know, leads them on their path and totally focused on the career side of his life. That's it. And he's so not. That, he needs to be. He needs to be more free spirited, and this is something that Morgan has the ability to pull out of him if time allows. And I'm sure he must recognize. Oh, Jerry, throwing that in there. So, last question before you treat us with a uh, last question before you treat us with an excerpt. Then I have other questions to follow that up with. Is there an element of suspense or mystery in Mason's Gray? And I think you already answered that question. If so, without giving the story away, but to make people more intrigued, could you give us a peek into that mystery, if there is an element of suspense or mystery in the story? There is definitely an element of suspense. It reaches a height that, goes, whoa, holy cow, but I don't want to say any more than that. Wow. It's definitely there. Okay. 100%. So can you give us a reading of from Mason's Gray? I can. A little short and sweet, but I really like this part here. Morgan put her camera to work, clicking away effortlessly. She'd been lost in concentration, oblivious to the sea breeze, blowing her white dress up like a sail. The sun began to work against her as it made its way behind the ocean wall, leaving her without the light she needed to continue. Finding the perfect spot to nestle into the sand, she sat down to take advantage of her surroundings and all the inspiration they contributed. She thought of her kids and how much she wished they were there to share this experience with her. Tears began to stream down her face. She couldn't remember the last time. She felt so free and completely in control of her life. Ah. So she's here. She's here. And and when this when this happens, she's just gotten to her beach home. It sounds like mm-hmm. she just got Okay. And she's, so, she's reflecting, yeah, she's reflecting, and it it gets very emotional. So she can't remember the last time she felt so free. Is that, why would she, why would she say that? Is it because, it's interesting that she would say um, that. She's, free and completely in control of her life. So free to do free to her for her to go after her dreams and follow through. She's in the driver's seat now. 100% in control in the driver's seat. She can do what she wants. And she's still and not sure what that is. But herself. 
Yeah, and she's still not sure what that is. She's just, she loves photography, so she's going after that. So Mr. Brody, he is, like, scared of commitment. He's like, he's got a son, but he's, you know, I'm not I'm not getting involved in any more relationships. I'm sticking with my career. I'm going after my music. And, it, you know, it's pretty amazing also. This guy's been, he's in his late, mid or late 40s, and he's been a rock icon for 20 years. That's, uh, he must be up phenomenally because that's rare. You, you, even if you are the, the top, 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 top of your field, you can stay strong, but most people, there's a fall off after 10, 15 years. You can still really be up there, but you probably won't be the hottest thing going. I, it's, it's, it's rare. It's so hard to maintain that. In in the arts, it's whether it's um, a novelist might be able to, but um, from what I've seen, uh, musicians, singers, actors, it's hard to stay that razor hot beyond ten years. It's really really hard. So I mean, he must really be doing something right. But so he's 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 at the top of his peak. He's he's afraid of commitment, and here comes Miss Morgan, and she's just looking for. He thinks he's got his whole life figured out, it sounds like. He's just totally in his music. And she's trying to figure out what she should do next. So they hook up. They meet. We know they hook up. Mason's gray. How hard is it? How hard is it for Morgan to tame Brody, even if she can? Now, he's been living like this for a long time. It was never her intent to tame him or change him in any way. Uh, adapting to his lifestyle, that's definitely something. That's a challenge. But expecting him to change or him expecting her to change, that's not happening. We are who we are. We're going to be honest with each other. We're too old for games and a bunch of BS. We're going to be comfortable with who we are and, and be together the way we want to be together. Or we're just not. We're just not. So there is no changing or taming anyone. It's accepting. Oh, my gosh. You know, this Mason's Gray is getting more interesting because how many people really, and I guess a lot of people do it, but they don't verbally come to some or written agreement that, okay, if you sleep with other people, I'm cool with it, just don't put it all in my face. It's just almost amazing. Here's a woman who was married. She raised three kids by herself. You know she's got the ability to put her head down, be dedicated, be committed. And she, this is just very interesting. <laughs> it's just an interesting dynamic, and she's just going to roll with it. Uh, does he... Does he break her heart? And you you don't have to say how he does, but does he break her heart? Is this a, like a warm? It doesn't sound like a warm and fuzzy romance where it's like it all goes well. He doesn't change, and she's up for that. She she really really is okay with him living that rock star life for real for real. It's more about. Um, when you uh, enjoy being with someone, then you you spend time with that person and you don't get into the heavy. If you want to be together, you be together. 
I think it's very evident that I'm, you know, I'm, Morgan's not looking for marriage. He's not looking for marriage. We can enjoy each other and spend time together. And we don't have to worry about all the other stuff, the heavy stuff. Let's just be ourselves and be together. But yes, ultimately, there's heartbreak. There's misunderstanding. Whether deliberate or undeliberate, it happens. So is Mason's Gray for our off-the-shelf listeners who are, they're like, you know, they're people who are avid romance readers. I mean, the, the latest romance novel comes out, boom, they've got to get it. They just love romance. From, 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 from movies you see on TV on Lifetime, Hallmark, people just love ro- romance. I think it's one of the top-selling genres, actually. So is Mason's mm-hmm. Gray. We know, that, we know there's some mystery in here. And and jury's not telling us what it is, but there's a mystery in here. Is Mason's Gray, is this a romance that people who believe in magical romance, where things just magically go right in the end, is this a book where they would just be so satisfied? Or is this more of a suspense romance, uh, romance thriller type of a story? I would say more a romance novel with a suspenseful twist. It's not it's not mystery, romantic suspense. And I I felt like my readers would be happy in the end. And it was interesting. Some of the reviews that I've read said that they, they that they enjoyed the book. They just wanted it there to be more. So I thought that was interesting. Oh. It's not that they weren't satisfied, but that they didn't want it to end. They they wanted it to keep going. And that's a, was, that those that's a awesome review. How long is Mason's Gray? And and so it t- it takes place in a day's time period. She is just she sold her home, the home she raised her kids in. She's moved to a rented a beach home. Home. Uh, uh, Brody is I guess he's on the road touring. And somehow they 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 meet. So the story starts in let's say whatever period. How many months or years from the start of the book to the end take place and are covered in Mason's Gray? Less than a year, close to a year, but a little shy of a year. Oh. So it really okay. just dives into her change. They meet and what happens within the months following. It just gets right down to it. And how long is it? Is it like 200, 200 pages, 250? It is. Let me take a look here. So it is actually considered a, a novella. So it's at a little just shy of 200 words. I'm sorry, pages, not words. That would be a really Oh, that's a novel to me. That is 200 pages? You know, they say if you're over 40,000 words, that's a novel. That sounds like a novel to me. But, you know, it's good that readers would say they wanted more of the story. What are some other, what's some other feedback you've been getting from readers beyond they wanted more of the story, which I think is a compliment that you've received on Mason's Gray? A lot of people have loved that the main characters are people in – that are middle-aged people. Ah. They, they, 
we've had a lot of response to that. They were so happy. They thought it was refreshing that that Morgan and Brody were in their late 40s and weren't these perfect 20-year-olds, you know, or 20-something. Interesting. Yeah, and um, several people commented on the kids' involvement and how they loved that that part of it, that part of the story, and and the relationship in there with between the mom and the kids. Are um, there plans? Everybody's just been really oh, Everybody, everybody's been so kind uh, with their reviews, and I'm so appreciative. Are there plans? To write a sequel. Since you've been hearing this feedback from readers, they want more of the story. Is there more that could happen between Brody and Morgan that you could write? Maybe, okay, so first question. Had you planned to make this just a standalone book when you first wrote it? Yes, standalone. So now that you're getting this feedback, because series books sell very well, is there, is Mm -hmm. there, are now are there ideals circling in your mind to turn this into a series? Yes. I've had a lot of people, not only in the reviews, but personally ask me, would you please, you need to write a sequel to Mason's Gray. And it's just touched me so deeply that how can I not? You know, how can I not? I... If the, if the readers want it and they're into it, then then all right, let's do it. And you see, you, you see, this is how you get your. This is a, a thing, and I'm, and I'm trying to remember when this took off, the series books. It used to be anthologies. One way to get your name out there as, as an author was to get in an anthology with a, some best-selling authors and get your name in their book, and everybody promote and market the book. And then put like a link to your website to your story or something. That was one way. It is still an effective way to get your name out there, especially as a new author. And another way that came along later, when I first started, I published my book Portia in '98. Series books, I didn't hear a lot, so much about them. Anthologies, I was hearing about, but not so much. Series books now is how a lot of authors become full-time novelists. And they just keep put pumping them out. Some put a new mm-hmm. novel out once a month. Some put three, four books out a year. And some, I've heard some writers say it took them a couple of years to get there, but they are, they are making in six figures just off of book sales. But they have a ton of books, like thirty or more books. But that's that's a good way, a series. Then then the readers just keep wanting to know what's happening with Morgan and her kids and what's happening with Brody and his son and his band, (laughs) and they just keep buying more and more of the books. So that's uh, Mm -hmm. are you writing on that next, that next, um, the next book in the series now? I've started my outline on it. I actually have my I actually have a book that's about to be published. In the next week or two, it's going to go live. Uh, so my, I did write a second book. It's not related to Mason's Gray. It's about to be published. It's called Reflections at Mirror Pond. But you come up with some great I, titles. Oh my goodness! Reflections. Thank you. Can you Mirror tell us Pond. about? Can you tell us about Reflections at? You said Mirror Pond. Can you tell us 
give us a little inside glimpse into that book? Well, it's completely different than Mason's Gray. It's a lot more sentimental. It's really the story of three kids that grew up together. It it focuses the epicenter is Mirror Pond where they grew up, where they spent a lot of time together focuses on their relationship as children, but then it moves forward into their relationship as adults. And it's just, I I cried several times when I wrote it. It, Wow. It, it, um, oh, I'm excited. I can hear you get emotional now. Oh, my goodness. Is this a mystery? Is this a is this a bit of mystery in here too? Uh, it's um, it, well, it, all the books I write are going to be romance, so it always will be romance. And I kind of don't like to say too much because I like the readers to, you know, be in the moment of what's happening before knowing too much in advance. Is that okay for me to kind of leave it like that? No, no, and I think that's good, but I can tell you um, sometimes when you, without giving the story away, when you tell talk about the book enough where you don't hide too much, it actually builds intrigue in the reader and makes them want to know more about the story. I, I, I find that because if you don't, t- sometimes if you keep too much back, you have to build that intrigue. And and then over time, mm-hmm. I, you 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 learn what to give away to build that intrigue. So you give mm-hmm. them enough, not hold too much back, but enough so there is enough intrigue to say, you know, I want to know what's going to happen in this story. That shared, as we come down to like the last six, seven minutes of today's show, can you share three to four steps that you take, Jury, that you found to be effective at getting the word out about your books? <laughs> well, actually, that's you were asking me earlier about what was easy or challenging. That's part of the challenge is knowing how to promote and market the book. And honestly, I don't know that I can say I'm still trying to figure it out. I do the social media. I reach out to my community for book signing events. And really, the the... The one thing that I really recommend is for people who want to write to really do your research during the process on how to effectively um, publish, self-publish, promote, and market your book. I sort of just dove in and started writing and then had it published. I didn't spend enough time learning about all the other things, and I'm paying the price now because I just... I really don't know what to do. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. So I don't want that to be discouraging. I want it to be encouraging in that really learn about this process so that you're not like me and feeling kind of lost to where you know that this could be a really great thing. You just got to figure out how to, to, to open the doors and be successful in the end. Sometimes I feel like I I hit, I hit a, sometimes I feel like I hit a lot of walls, and sometimes it's discouraging, but I keep finding ways to get around and over them. Good for you. And, and it, is, it is a tough road, and the, the 
a self-publishing when I self-published, it was like uh, you got a punched in the face. Librarians, editors, bookstores, nobody would touch it, touch your book. So I just hustled, hustled, hustled. And now we know with the working from home, the virtual, but Amazon wasn't even around when I started. I, I think they, if they were, they were just launching. So it was even that. You try to get your books in Barnes & Noble and Borders and local bookstores. But some of the ways for for you, Jury, and to our, our listeners, uh, I got a hold of Getty Press. I went to the um, library re- uh, re- reference, and I don't know how beneficial it is now, but they have, like, magazines, newspapers, radio stations in there. And I just start, got me an Excel spreadsheet, and I still use an Excel spreadsheet today, and I still do this today. But I, I just started reaching out to radio stations that I thought had the listeners who would buy my books. I, I, I told them the benefits to the listeners of me being on the show. And I tie, if, if I tie it to a real-life event, a news event, even though it's a novel, uh, my first book was about a woman dealing with breast cancer, and I was doing radio interviews left, right, up, down, in, and out over the phone for that. And now they have, um, I think it's called Radio Guest List. You can get on there. They, they have a book you can get on oh, Amazon. I want to say it's Radio Guest mm-hmm. List. They have a book for $9 in all these different online radio stations looking for guests. Some of them get a lot of listeners some of the shows don't get as many listeners, but like what Off the Shelf goes into the archives, as long as I keep Off the Shelf going, people come in and listen to the show. They can listen today. They can listen next week. People come in next month. They come in next year, and you get more and more traction. And I'm constantly promoting shows. I'm promoting shows weeks after the shows have occurred. But uh, So that's that's another way. Um, I think it's Radio Guest List. Again, they have on Amazon. You can buy $9, their directory. I think they put a new one out every year. Gebby Press is another place. Uh, when I start out, press releases. I used to do press releases, and they get picked up. I'm not sure how much you can get out of a press release. Blogging. And and, and uh, 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 I'm in Blogorama, but I don't know how much that leads to book sales, but I definitely get a lot of visitors. I probably get like a 1,000 visitors, too. Um, my blog a day, so uh, that's another that's way to get fabulous. traction. But uh, book, book, bookbub, blurb, readzy. Um, I'm just giving out all kind of tips. Looking for international places uh, in other countries uh, where you can uh, promote your books. I go through Okada Books. That's an African uh, bookstore. Um, you can do Kindle book promos, Amazon sponsored ads, Bargain Booksy. I've had very good success with Bargain Booksy. Um, some people would, I think it's uh, all gang books. But I'm just giving you a bunch of tips here and there, places where you can go. And then you don't, watch your budget because, you know, everybody will flip an ad to you. Watch your budget. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I do Tweet Your Books. I think it's called Tweet Your Books with Colette. I forget her last name, but... She charges me very, it's like $30 a month. And then they just shoot all those tweets out, so I don't have to do that. Uh, schedulers like Hootsuite, Vista Print has a scheduler for like 5 or $6 a month. There's just so many different ways you can schedule your social media posts. I still go into social media, radio, again, radio interviews, offline, online. You could try press releases. Blogging, I definitely recommend that people do blogging. 
and then those other sites that I gave you. So those are tips I'm sharing with you as you continue to grow your career. Can you tell us, we're running out of time, running out of time. Can you tell us where our listeners can get copies of Mason's Gray? Yes, well, probably the best place to go is my website, jerimeyersgoodwin.com. And right on the front page, there's a buy now, and just click on it, and it'll shoot you right to the Amazon site. You can go on Amazon if you want to, but my website is fabulous. There you go. There you go. You guys, we have been blessed, blessed to have on Miss Jerry Myers Goodwin, and her website is G. G is in good. G is in great. G E R I M Y E R S. G O O D W I N dot com. If you came in on the show midstream, like I always tell you guys, are late into the show. You were busy this morning, and you came in later. No worries, no worries. When the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it in its entirety in the archives. And keep up with Miss Jury Goodwin. She's working on a second book in her series. Got a new book coming out uh, in just a few weeks or days or weeks. Keep up with her, please. If she takes off, you can say, I was there with Jury at the beginning. Yeah, and you have to be with her, support her now to be able to say that. So her website, bookmark her website. Go get a copy of Mason's Gray by Jury, G-E-R-I, Goodwin. Jury, when the show finishes streaming, I'll send you an email to share with your supporters. And as always, I always keep promoting and marketing the show for weeks and weeks and weeks. Thank you to all of our listeners who tune in to Off the Shelf today. Please support Ms. Jury Goodwin, Jury Goodwin, G-E-R-I-G-O-O-D-W-I-N. And remember, you are awesome. You are amazing. You're fabulous. Go out and create an awesome day for yourself. Jury, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a great day.